0: Good morning, Eastside family. We're going to let our take, take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 30. We're going to let our children ages 3 through 3rd grade go to junior worship. I think this one's working fine, right? Good enough. Listen, I don't think it's been said yet, so I'll just go ahead and say it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. And I want you to look to the person on your left and on your right. If they're not wearing green, you can pinch them, but only on the shoulder right now, okay? And if they, if they fall asleep during the sermon, you can pinch them again, alright? Karen, Karen and I were driving to church this morning, and I said, you're from Northern Ireland, you're not even wearing green. She says, my blood is green. You don't get to use that excuse if you weren't born there, alright? <laughs> uh, he, he said it, but you couldn't hear Bob saying it. He said there's a table out there with all the names of the people who are on the front lines of serving God in Cozumel with precious orphan children. And it's a lot of handwork, but go there. So take time and write letters to those people and tell them how much you love them and appreciate them. It's going to take your time and effort but, but I would ask that you would certainly do that. And I also want to say before I jump in here, I'm I am um, I'm honored to share this podium today with my mentor and, and hero of faith, Skip Clark, and with Kurt and Laura, cancer survivors. What an honor it is for me to, to follow you guys. I don't know what else I, could, I can say. Proverbs, Proverbs 30. So, so have you, have you ever been reading the Bible? And I bet you have, I hope you have, you should be, right? Have you ever been reading the Bible and, and you read something and you're going, is that in the Bible? Well, there's a lot of that here in the book of Proverbs. They've got all these, um, illustrative metaphors to make these practical points for daily living. And if there's one chapter that's like you're going, is that in the Bible? It's certainly going to be chapter 30. As he's given all kinds of life lessons, he talks here about about eagles and snakes and ants and badgers and locusts and lizards and lions and even even a strutting rooster. I think one of the most one of the most, I guess you might say, shocking metaphors is when he's when he takes ravens and vultures and he says, children, I have something. Or maybe parents, I have something I want you to listen to. Look at this verse I, I came across as I was working on this this week. Chapter 30 and verse 17. The eye that mocks a father... That scorns obedience to a mother. So have you ever mocked your mom and dad? Kids, have you ever done that? Have you ever been disobedient to your parents? Well, this verse, this is, this verse is for you. The eye that mocks a father, the scorns obedience to a mother will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley. There you go, moms and dads. Next time they're doing something, you say, you stop it or your eyes are going to get pecked out by the ravens. That's not the Baltimore ravens. So it's big black bird. I typed in to make sure I knew what ravens were in Google Images. And I brought all these pictures of the Baltimore ravens. No, it's these big black birds. And that's not all. After your eyes are pecked out by the ravens, it says they will be eaten by the vultures. Well, isn't that nice? (laughs) So what do you do with that verse? I don't know exactly, although I can say for certain this. Kids, it makes sense. To respect and obey your parents. Hey, listen, that's not my main point. My main point today is actually going to be drawn from another illustrative graphic metaphor where the writer... Actually, the Holy Spirit, understand this, uses the description of leeches. Chapter 30, verse 15. The leech has two daughters. Give... Give. That's in the Bible. The leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. There are three things that are never satisfied. You have to read this in context. What's he saying about leeches? There are three things that are never satisfied. Four that never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, lamb which is never satisfied with water, and fire which never says enough. Do you know what leeches are? Leeches, let's take a look at this picture. I want you not to think about that picture when you go to lunch today. You see that picture? Don't think about that picture. Leeches are something like these, these parasitic predatory worms. And they have suction cups on each end. And they, they latch onto your skin. And on one front end of the, of the worm, they have these, a jaw that has three teeth and the teeth saw into your skin and once they saw into your skin they inject this um this this chemical that serves as something like an anticoagulant so your blood can't claw and they can just suck all the blood they want Doctors used to think. Doctors used to think that you remember. I don't know what century it was. It was centuries ago that why well, the, the the way to have medical treatment is to we'll take leeches and we'll put them on somebody's body and they'll suck all the bad blood out of a person's body. That didn't work really well. I remember when I was a little boy. I guess I was in middle school. I used to go to it was it was a kind of like a horse farm behind our behind our property where Sam and Clay and Edie Baston used to live, and they had this this um. It was a dirty, nasty pond. Although, being a middle schooler, I didn't think it was dirty and nasty. And we would swim in that thing all the time. And it was filled with leeches. And I'm not kidding. It was filled with leeches. And you would dive into the water. And you would come up. And you'd have a leech or two on your cheeks. You'd have leeches on your arms and on your chest. And we're living in rural Tennessee. We're not thinking anything about that. We just wipe them off. And we jump back in the water. And we come back up. And there's more leeches on us. And we just wipe them off. And the leech... There never once did the leeches just fall off. Never once did a leech say, you know, I, I think I, I have had enough of this guy's blood. I'm going to move on now. They just kept on feeding for more and more. The leech has two daughters. Give, give. They cry. And you go on and you read from that and, and you understand it says that they just never get enough. And it goes on to say it's like they're like the grave. The grave never says, you know what, we're full now. we got enough people here. We can't have any more dying. The grave continues to take people day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, second after second. It can never get enough. So, so what do you do with that? The, the, the proverb on leeches. What does that have to do with me and you? It has a lot to do with us. Listen, we're a lot like leeches. We latch on to all that the world has to offer. We, we, like we, we dig our teeth in. And we feed upon whatever it is. And we feed and we feed. But we just can't seem to get enough. And so we attach ourselves onto something else. And we dig ourselves into that. And we feed and we feed. But we can never seem to get enough. And like the leech, we continue to cry out for things of this world. Give, give. But we remain empty. I believe Through this graphic word picture, God is teaching us a lesson. It's seen all throughout the book of Proverbs. It's seen all throughout the Bible. It's a lesson on contentment. We began a series last week, actually, we entitled it Lifestyles of the Rich and Poor. And we're looking in the book of Proverbs. Listen, this is a book that was written by the richest man who ever lived, by the wisest man who ever lived with the wisdom that was given to him from God. And in this book that gives us incredible practical wisdom and advice for our daily lives, there's a lot that's said again and again and again about the rich and the poor with the subtitles of talking about our finances and our money and money management and how all that relates to our relationship with God. And as we talked about last week, it's it's really clear in Scripture that what you're doing with your money, how you relate to your finances, how you spend your money, how you manage your money, that tells a lot about what you think about God and where God is in your life. Now, I think it's important as, as we look at this it, this theme today to understand that that what we may define as rich and poor may not necessarily be what God defines as rich and poor. They can be, actually be different. We may look at someone and say, man, they're rich. And God says, oh, no, they're very poor. We may look at someone else and say, oh, my goodness, they're so very poor. And God may say, no, they're so very rich. What you see in the book of Proverbs, what you see in Scripture is so incredibly Counterculture It's is so incredibly um, upside down to the secular worldview. When you look at scripture, we see perhaps we could say there's a there's a worldly riches and there are godly riches and they're both very different. Let's look at some passages I'll pull out of Proverbs and we'll come right back to it. This is a passage, first Timothy six, I've given it to you, I want you to really work with this in your life groups. First Timothy six, six, he says, true godliness is with contentment is itself great wealth so he's speaking about riches here he's speaking about great wealth but he defines it differently he defines it with this equation godliness plus contentment equals great wealth so if you're going where's he going with this what's this point well then here it is okay Here's the main thing I'm trying to say to you today. True godly riches are characterized by contentment. And contentment is found in knowing Christ and following Christ. Rich people, do you want to be rich? Truly rich people are content people no matter how much they have. So here's a working definition of contentment. Contentment means, and I'm just giving it this definition from what I've studied, it means being happy and at peace with what you have, regardless of how much you have. Now let me give you some scriptures on it. I turn back just a little bit to Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 20. Proverbs 27, 20, death and destruction are never satisfied. Death and destruction never will say, you know, that's enough for now. It was heartbreaking what happened with the plane in Ethiopia. More than a hundred people were killed, but death and destruction weren't satisfied. It was absolutely heartbreaking. What was it? 49, maybe there's another one that were just viciously killed in New Zealand. But death and destruction weren't satisfied. My heart was broken as I as I, I learned on the news on the day of our blizzard on Wednesday that one of our policemen, I believe in Colorado Springs or in our county, got out to help someone and he was killed. Death and destruction are never satisfied. They never get enough. And he says death and destruction are never satisfied. And neither are the eyes of men never satisfied. We just can't get enough. And this is basically talking about greed or a, a fancy Bible word would be covetousness. You know, what's interesting about this word covetousness, all this, like so many laws, uh, Ryan, Keith, and I were talking about this the other day, all these laws that you see in the Old Testament and Leviticus, but when God says, these are my top 10, one of them is thou shalt not covet. So what we're talking about today, as far as contentment, is the very opposite of what God says, "Stay away from that." What is covetousness? It is basically greed, is the excessive, constant desire for more. Proverbs fifteen twenty seven says, "The greedy bring ruin." To their households isn't that interesting the greedy what's their desire they want more and more and more to find success and happiness and their desired outcome is just the opposite it brings ruin to the household some of us get that don't we already we've learned that proverbs 21 verse 17 from the good news translation i don't know if you have that one with you it says indulging in luxuries wine and rich food will never make you wealthy and we're sitting there going well that's can't be true because those are the things that we define wealth by. Luxuries, wine, and rich food. That's a science of wealth. And God says, no. Eugene Peterson, he takes that that verse and he translates it in the message like this. He says, you're addicted to thrills. What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. When Karen and I served as missionaries in, in the Czech Republic, I was looking to see if Cora and David over there, because uh, Kelly was telling me about something that related to this. I'd uh, guess go to the next slide, Christy. We, w- there is, um, in every city in the Czechoslovakia, in the Czech Republic, everybody has a brewery, and every brewery is the best beer in the whole nation there. And so outside of our, our ministry center, which was on Mendel Square, Gregor Mendel, there was a monastery where he served at. You can go and tour it. That's what Kelly was, was telling me, that she was reading this for their kids. Well, the monastery used to be a brewery, and so the brewery's still going. The monastery's no longer going, but you can tour it. It's called the Staroburno, Old Berno Brewery. And one of the things they do is they, uh, kind of like as a promotional or an advertising kind of gimmick, they have this old, you see that... Um, fire truck there, it drives all over the city and they're giving out, well, they're selling bottles of beer or they have a keg on there and you can buy you can buy a pint of beer. And and the idea that they're promoting is that Staroburno beer is the, you see that word right there? That's the hasichijiznya. That's the thirst quencher. You drink Staroburno beer and that quenches your thirst. But listen, you go into a pub and you watch them drink Staroburno beer and it doesn't quench their thirst they order one and then the waiter says would you like another i've never heard a check person say you know one's good i'm my thirst is quenched (laughs) no they drink more and more and more that's what jesus said to the woman at the well we're going to spend maybe six weeks beautiful story in john chapter four jesus says you come to this well for water and you'll never stop coming you will always be thirsty Solomon, who wrote also not only Proverbs, but he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He says the same thing is true with money in chapter five and verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Notice he says loves it. You just never have enough. Whoever loves wealth is never, just like the leech, you give, give. Whoever loves money is never satisfied with his income. This, too, is meaningless. The richest man in the world is telling us this. It's not there. The wisest man in the world with wisdom from the Holy Spirit is telling us that the love of money is a huge mistake in our lives. It's the pursuit to find contentment in these things. Listen, no matter how much you make, your yearning will always exceed your earning. That's not with me originally either. Therefore, if you yearn and live for worldly riches, you'll never have enough. You'll never be rich, no matter how rich you are. The story is told. Many of you have heard of that guy named John D. Rockefeller. In, in In the previous century, he was like... America's. I think in the early 1900s, the first billionaire, he was worth somewhere in our day and time $300 billion. And a reporter said to John D. Rockefeller, how much money? You've got so much money. How much would you say is enough? And he said, well, just one more dollar. Just a little more. The Bible says the eyes of man are never satisfied. Just a little more. So, so, let me ask you, are you content with your phone? Will you be content with your phone next year? (laughs) Are you content with your television? Or did you walk into Best Buy and say, Oh man, I'd like a bigger and better one. Are you content with your car? Or do you sit at the intersection and you find yourself looking at the car next to you thinking, oh, I'd like a, a newer one. Are you content with your spouse? Would you like a newer one? A bigger and better one. That's funny, isn't it? It's real. Painfully real. Do you like your house Or did you like your house until you went to their new house and then all of a sudden you realized what you don't have? Do you? Of course you do. Do you finish Thanksgiving meal and you get up to the table and you go, I'll never eat again for the rest of my life. And you wake up the next morning and you're looking in the refrigerator. That's just the way it works, isn't it? Did you finally get that job that you always wanted and now you're thinking about a promotion or another job did you get that raise you always needed and now you realize you need more do you ever say this oh oh man i'll be happy when oh i'll be i'll, I'll be happy when we have kids i'll be happy when the kids go to school i'll be happy when the kids move out I'll be happy when I'm married. I'll be happy when I'm not married. You hear that? I'll be happy when the car is paid off. Just, oh man, think about when your mortgage is paid off. Won't you be happy then? I'll be happy when I get, if I can just get this job. And then once you get the job, you're saying, I'll be happy when I retire from this job. Like the question I want to ask is, when is enough going to be enough? So there's this brilliant guy in the early 1900s. He's, he's an English philosopher and theologian. And, and I have to quote him to impress the intellectuals. His name is G.K. Chesterton. And he says, you won't talk about enough. He says there's two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more and more. You get the idea there. It just doesn't stop. Because you never you always accumulate more and more. How do you get enough? Two ways, he says. One is to continue to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. And Proverbs has a lot to say about desiring and having less. Proverbs 16 and verse 8 says this. Better a little... With righteousness, than much gain with justice. Well, how is that so? A little with righteousness? Jesus says, oh, I'll explain that. Matthew 5 and uh, verse 6 in um, the Beatitudes. He says, I'll tell you why it's better to have a little with righteousness. Because he says, blessed, and you could say, like, happy, content, rich. Blessed are those who hunger who yearn and who thirst for righteousness, listen, for they will be filled. Listen, only when you're filled with the righteousness that comes in knowing Christ and following Him will you ever be filled. Then and then only, you'll have enough. And He should know. I like like he created us. He knows what fills us. This is what he's telling us. Proverbs Proverbs fifteen, sixteen talks more about a little. It says, better better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And you're going, Great wealth ends turmoil. Great wealth with turmoil, what are you talking about? We're learning that, aren't we? Howard Hughes, you've heard of him, perhaps. He was an American business magnate, investor, an aviator, aerospace engineer, a filmmaker, and philanthropist. One of the wealthiest men of our previous century, he was worth somewhere in the area of forty billion dollars. And he died a lonely, depressed, fearful, empty, reckless—great wealth with turmoil. The Bible's right. God God knows what He's talking about. There's this lie. There's this lie, this lie that that falls behind this materialistic world of riches that says, if you just have more, you'll be happier and you'll be content. But if that's true, then the wealthiest people would be the happiest people, but they're not. Ask them. We're like, in America... So incredibly rich. The poorest of the person in here is richer than the majority of people in the world. We are so incredibly rich. We have things, but we're drowning. We're drowning in depression. In divorce. and debt. Here, here's, a, here's a crazy irony. Some time ago I read that the nation of Guatemala It is a country that has like 50% of the people in Guatemala are are in poverty. Really poor country. But Guatemala consistently ranks as one of the happiest one of the nations where people are the happiest in all the world. One article I read this week just to make sure this is still true, they come in at number 4. And they're poor. They don't have things. Clearly, their contentment is not found in things. Americans have things. And people, here's what's going on. People on the outside are looking in and say, man, the American dream, that's what I want. I want to go there. And I'm sitting there wanting to go, well, before you do, look, it's not what you're thinking. I know what you see on TV and I know the pictures and I know the, 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 the stuff that media is presenting with all the cars and all the houses and all the clothes and all the smiles and all the dreams. But behind all that, there's people that are just crazy with credit cards, maxing them out. They call it cars and is it underwater under water. thats crazy that they owe more on their car than it's worth houses that are upside down. This American dream. It's like a nightmare for too many. And so I got all these questions. Why? Why is it we have such in our nation, in our families, and maybe in your life, it's out of control spending. Why is it we have that we're spending more than we're earning? Why is it the number one people that, that couples divorce? is because of finances. Why the foreclosures? Why the debt? Why the anxiety over the bills? Why are so many, this is horrible, so many young people getting ready for their careers and they got incredible school debt? Why? Why are so many children growing up without their parents? Why are so many of us so incredibly busy? that the things of God and the things of our families are being neglected? Why is it that the average church-going Christian can barely give 3% of their income to the work of God in the church? Why is it that as Sean told us last week, that the giving in our congregation as well is down? And I'm sure there's many answers that you're thinking about, but if we were to get down to the root of it, I think we're seeing it here in the book of Proverbs. is we just can't get enough. We want more. And like the leeches, we're just crying out, "Give, give." It's a lack of contentment. If maybe we haven't learned it, or maybe we've lost sight of what the Apostle Paul, and this is another passage I'm given to in your life groups to consider discussing. In Philippians 4, Paul says, "I've figured it out." I found the secret to contentment. And I'm sitting there going, seriously, Paul, you're in prison when you're telling us this. You've lost everything and you're likely going to get killed while you're in prison. And you're going, I'm good. How does that work, Paul? He has found, has found the secret of contentment. And if you know Paul's life, need to read all, all the book of um, Philippians, you'll understand that the, the secret he had discovered of contentment was found. I already said it. It's in knowing and following Christ above all things in your life that's true riches we were created through him to be filled only by him Hebrews 13 5 I'm just going to toss out a few more and we're done this is a good one keep yourself free from the love of money and be content with what you have there you go do that (laughs) be content Keep yourself free from the love of money. That's hard. How do you do that? Keep reading. He says, keep yourself free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Listen, because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. How can I keep myself from the love of money and be content with what I have? Because I have God. And God is enough. Listen, if you're not happy and if you're not content, it's basically saying, God, you aren't enough. I need something more. Until God for you is enough, you will never have enough and you will live your life as a leech. With Christ in the center of your life. And I don't mean on the side, I don't mean back over there. I mean in the center of your life regardless of what you have or don't have, no matter of what's going on, God says, I'll be there. And that is enough. <laughs> do I believe that? Do, do you? Do I live? Do you live like we believe that? So listen, here's what I'll ask you. Where, where, where is God in your life? Is He in the center of is he, is he your God? Or let's be honest, is there something else that's really your God? Is he your treasure? Or is there something else that's your treasure, that's your treasure? How do you know? Take a look at your bank statement. Take a look at your calendar. How you're spending your time and your money. You'll, you'll find the answer to where God is in your life. That's kind of hard, kind of convicting to consider If you're not content, if you're not happy, I I need you to hear this. It's not your job. You think it is. It's not. It's not your pay. It's not your house. It's not your spouse or your lack of a spouse. It's not your kids or lack of kids. It's not your health. It's not your car. It's you. (laughs) You're the problem. You're trying to fill your life with that which only God can fill. And you're fooling yourself by thinking this on Sunday gets it done. You don't need to change your house or your spouse. You need to change you. Oh, you need God to change you. And that change begins when you place Him in the highest place in your life, or, as, or as, as Scripture says, when you confess Jesus as Lord above all and over all. So, really, it gets down to this: Is Jesus Christ indeed the Lord of your life? I'm going to pray a prayer. Karen, in, in our morning prayer time together, she gave me this verse. And so I'm going to she says, oh, this is one that works. And so I said, I'll, I'll use this. I'm going to use this verse as a prayer. And this will launch us into our prayer time. And I want to encourage you to to really let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and, and, and consider what it is that you need to change in your life. And and we're going to stand when I begin to pray and our, our shepherds are going to be available. And if you'd like to come to them for prayer prayer. Um, I ask you to reach out to them. And as I say this every Sunday, we have more people that need prayer than we have shepherds. And so if you know someone here that you could go up to and give a hug and pray with, you know who they are, you know what their needs are. Oh, I want to encourage you to do that. And if I ask the question, is Jesus is the Lord of your life? And you said, not really. I, I don't even know him as Lord and Savior. Talk to us about that. The proverb that I'm going to begin our prayer with is in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7-9. through 9. Let's stand as we pray together. Two things I ask of You, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Father, we come to you hungry, thirsty. We come to you with some things in our lives that are not under your control, that are out of control. We come to you, some of us, battling with addictions, battling with finances, battling with our spouses, battling with our children, battling with our jobs. God, in this moment, in this quiet moment of prayer, show us what needs to change in each of our lives individually that you will hold the Lordship in our lives. That place in our lives is the highest place. We hear, Father, and we receive your words that are given to us in Scripture. These words are the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come, whoever is thirsty, Lord, we're thirsty, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him or her take the free gift of the water of life, Lord, fill us with you. Fill us with that water. Teach us the secret of contentment that we may be able to to proclaim with sincerity whatever my lot you have taught me to say. It's well. It is well with my soul. I am content for I have you. And that's enough. Father, we continue now in this time of prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.